Hello and welcome to Strategy in the Virtual Controller. My name is Damien Greathead. Um, delighted to be here for this latest episode. Thank you very much for joining us and, and thank you very much for, uh, for sharing some of your day with us. Um, next episode, bittersweet. Um, let's go with the sweet part of the bittersweet first. Sweet because we've got two of our first guests, uh, two practitioners, Brian and Mike, who are going to share their journey from firm inception um, to, to, to growth all the way through to, to partnership um, <laughs> dissolution. Um, and they're going to share the warts and all story of their journey. Um, bitter, part of the bittersweet, is because unbeknownst to us, one of the failings, uh, one of the recordings failed halfway through. So we've only got one half of the conversation, um, which makes it a little bit one-sided. But what we decided to do is we've got a really good 30-minute part one episode uh, coming up, which is the first part of the conversation. And we're going to get Mike and uh, Mike and Brian back to do part two as well. So we didn't want to lose that first part of the podcast. So ladies and gentlemen, here is the latest episode of Strategy in the Virtual Controller, uh, part one of our conversation with Mike and Brian. Enjoy. And here we are, folks, back for episode, I think it is number seven, episode number seven of Strategy in the Virtual Controller. Uh, really excited today because for the first time, we'll be welcoming guests onto our podcast. So if you're sick of listening to Penny and I chit-chat about uh, the ins and outs of the accounting world, uh, really exciting because we've got a couple of guests that Penny's been working with closely over the last couple of years to share some of their experiences. I'm going to hand over to Penny very shortly to, to introduce our guests. Uh, but what I did want to do is just remind folks about strategy in the virtual controller. Um, the, the title comes from a book called Strategy and the Fat Smoker by a guy called David Meister. And it's an amazing book because um, it, 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 it explains how, uh, and, and it was David's own experience where he was overweight and a smoker, and he knew both of those would kill him. He also knew what he needed to do to quit smoking and to lose weight. He had all the resources available to him, but it was one of the hardest things he's ever done in his life because he was constantly surrounded by short-term distractions. And so when Penny and I were talking about this podcast, the exact same thing came to mind. Penny was like, why do people need to hear about this? All the information's out there. And that's absolutely true. We know exactly what, we, well, maybe not exactly, but we've got a pretty good idea of the things that we should be doing to grow our practice, to grow our business. But we often get distracted by short-term shiny things, short-term shiny objects that take us away from that long-term vision and that long-term plan. So the idea of strategy in the virtual controller uh, is to, to share the insights, to share the real-world examples of firms that have moved beyond an accounting practice and, and are, are taking, um, taking their business to new levels with an enormous amount of intention, rather than same as last year, as what happens in a lot of accounting firms, um, we're trying to help practitioners think about their firm as a business uh, and, and provide them with the, the insights, the experiences, and the ideas to help them make that next step. So satbc.co is the website. If there's uh, any uh, articles that we reference, they'll be available on the website. Uh, so hit us up there, share it, like it, uh, drop us a review. Uh, but otherwise, Penny, why don't we get on with today's episode? Well, first of all, Penny, how are you? <laughs> a bit rude of me. I'm doing fine. How are you doing, Damien? 
Yeah, really well. Well, Penny, why don't you introduce uh, Brian and Mike and just share with us a little bit of background about how we uh, we got to, to know these guys, uh, and then we'll hand over to the guys for, for them to introduce themselves. Okay. Um, so this is Brian Lang and Mike Chana, uh, who I met at a 2020 conference that I spoke at in 2015. And uh, at that time, they were just starting, as far as I know, starting to work together. Yeah, they're nodding their heads, yes. Um, and to create a, a, a business that would support startup businesses in their particular area. They were looking for the apps they wanted to use and, um, and how they should structure the business, how the, work, how the work should flow. And that's why they were at the conference. And I continued to work with them for a year. And then in 2016, they started outsourcing work to my team in Chennai. Um, over the years, we've worked together and they've always been extremely transparent. We always had constant communication and they also, about a year ago, contacted me and said, we're splitting up our firm. And one of the things these two guys have always been done well is knowing what they want, being open about it and sharing it with each other. And so I thought that they would be two great guys to listen to how they went through that process of choosing what they wanted to do, doing it, finding what they liked about what they were doing, and then breaking off and staying friends. And now I'll let you introduce yourself, Brian, and then afterwards, Mike. So Brian, tell us a little bit about you. Well, first off, guys, I'm very proud to be the first guest on this uh, podcast. So thank you for having me. Um, yeah, my name is Brian Lang. Um, you know, just for the CPA folks out there, Chawner and I know each other. We worked at BDO together. I was there for seven years and then worked my way into industry and then became self-employed. Um, Chawner and I had started a firm called Profit Foundry, which he retained the rights to in the divorce. And then um, once we broke up, I now own a company called Upside CFO Services. Uh, we are heavy on the virtual CFO, do a little bit of accounting, typically a million to 10 million in revenues, uh, pretty heavy tech presence and, you know, what I would call more mom and pop. And then recently we started adding, I am a CPA. I don't consider myself a tax CPA, but I have gotten pretty decent at it in the last two or three years. So we added a, a tax planning component in there and do what I call a little more higher end proactive tax planning, so. And Mr. And I'm Chana Mike Johner. Um, I run Profit Foundry that I got as a result of divorce with uh, Brian Lang. Um, so I've been doing accounting work for about 25 years and I run a outsource controller and CFO practice that's at this stage 100% on tech companies. Um, I'll call it early stage. It's really kind of hard to really pin down exactly what it is, but I'm going to have one client that's doing about $30 million a year. And then I have a couple that are pre-revenue and, you know, a couple of kind of in between there. So that's what I do. Well, guys, thank you so much for, for being our first guests. Um, I'm really excited. And, and it's just such a shame that this is an audio uh, podcast because if it was video, um, I don't think my description of what I'm seeing on the cameras at the moment would, would do it justice. Uh, so, so um, w w Profit Foundry, which was the, the, the first organization, did you guys start that together or, or Mike, did you have that before and, and then Brian came in 
Um, how, how did Profit Foundry get off the, get started? No, it was something that we started together. Uh, Brian and I worked with each other at a national, you know, BDO, big, you know, multinational accounting practice doing on the audit side. And I had started my own practice kind of earlier uh, while Brian was still at BDO. And then he went into private practice. And then when he was in private practice, we kind of kept in touch talked a little bit about, you know, cause you know what he was facing and all that stuff. And then I think he had an opportunity to move back to Austin. When he moved back to Austin, we were like, let, let, let's, let's do something together. Um, and, and that's and sort tr- of what, trying what to interrupt you. Actually, I was talking about, I was like, should I go back to BDO? And I don't know if you remember, we had lunch at like some ran- random sushi restaurant up North. No, no, it was a Korean, re- it was a Korean restaurant. Okay. Thank you very much. And, and you used a, I won't say the, the word out loud here, but you used a word, you said, don't be, it begins with a P and it ends with a Y and go back to BDO. <laughs> you need to do your own thing. <laughs> I did. And I stand by those words, you know, like, <laughs> Because I, you know, like Brian shouldn't be working for someone else, right? Like he has a lot of that entrepreneurial energy. He's very smart. He's incredibly good at what he does. There's no reason for him to go work for a boss. I mean, it's it would be absurd. So I, I stand by my statement. <laughs> and and so um, you you guys decided to set up Profit Foundry. What was the vision of Profit Foundry? Because I think a lot of folks and, and a lot of listeners, if they might be sitting on the fence about going in to do their own thing, they might be uh, just starting out their own business, or they might be actually looking to re reframe what they're actually doing. A lot of accountants quite easily fall into the trap of same as last year, take on any client, offer every, every service under the sun. What was your vision uh, back in 2014, 2015, when you were setting up Profit Foundry? You want me to go, Brian? Or yeah, you, can you, jump you, in. You, you can go first, Honor, because I'm curious if I respond to this differently, because now that this is a revisionist history. Oh, absolutely. Um, I would say when we first started, we were very, we were probably more focused on the process than we should have been. I want to say that we put the cart in front of the horse a little bit in that you know, like, oh, look at these, like when we were first learning about these apps and I feel like we were a little bit early on it, not, not, not like the earliest adopters, but, but somewhat early, we were like, oh my God, the robots are going to do all the work for us. Like, this is incredible. All we have to do is shake someone's hand and this work will flow to us because we're good accounts. Right. So like that was part of it. And part of it was like, we we're going to have this great process or whatever around it, which we did. I mean, I think we developed great systems and great processes, et cetera. But I think we were a little bit more focused on that than we, we probably should have been. But what we were very good about was being a little bit more selective about who we worked with. Like if we talked to someone, even if the price was right, there was a couple of opportunities we had where we were like, Brian, is this going to work? And he was like, no, I, I don't think so. And I think we, he had some other stuff there. But um the vision was to, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of our vision was centered around the back office side more than than anything else. And uh, Brian, I don't know what your perception is, but. Yeah, no, I, I think that's 100% accurate. And I mean, I am nowhere where I want to be as a business owner. But I mean, 
Chonner since 2015 or 16, whatever it was. I think we both, you know, we're quite a bit further along in our business journey. I know I've eaten a lot of humble pie on my journey. And I think at that time, I would say my vision is we didn't have a fucking vision. <laughs> and that was part of it. Um, no. You know, like we, we, all these business books set up core values. You have to do this. I remember rolling my eyes at all this stuff. And now oh. six years later, we're like drilling with our team. Like, what are our core values? What do we care about? You know, it, I, I'm, a, I'm a little slow to get some of this stuff apparently, but um, you know, I, I just don't think we had a vision at the time. And, and I, I remember, remember how crappy our first marketing came out. It's because we didn't know what we want it to be or who we were. So, yeah. Well, it was like, oh, we need to find the right marketing company. Like, if you don't know what you want, it's not like a marketing person's going to like, if you're like, what do you want to do? And you're like, duh, like you're going to get bad marketing. Like, you know what I mean? But, and then I think as we kind of got a better sense of what we wanted to do, we, you know, it, it got better. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess before it was Precision Financial, which is like the most generic name. Yeah, I think we ever. Paid so it's like Fiverr to name it. So it's a five dollar name, <laughs> yeah, is what it was. That, that and the piles was one of them. I don't know. It, it was definitely all Fiverr, but. And I think anyway. back in twenty, I think back in twenty fifteen, as as to, to your point, um, Mike, you were talking about the 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 apps and the the machines were coming, and and there was this belief that. And, and Penny and I can attest to this, that there was this belief that, oh, we just set up the apps and, and everything will take care of itself and we'll just sit back and watch watch the customers roll in and watch the money roll in. Thankfully, that wasn't the case because otherwise Penny and I wouldn't have a business whatsoever. Um, but, but it was really interesting because I think it... I, I think in that 2015, some some accountants stuck their head in the sand and said, no, that's not, that's not going to... That's not going to impact my business. It's a flash in the pan. It won't be here next week or next year. Whereas others like yourself actually thought, no, no, this is this is going to be where business goes. And so now let's just jump on the the let's let's embrace that um, and and let's work out how we can leverage technology to deliver what we want. What I what I want to know is. What is it? What were the types of services that you wanted to provide? Um, you said that you've sort of come into the back office side of things, but were you tax guys originally, or were you were you trying to avoid tax at all all um, all opportunities? We we were the latter. We wanted nothing to do with tax at all. And I, right or wrong, whatever decision someone wants, since I have adopted tax, I mean, if you have the ability to do tax. I think it is a first I think it's a potential gold mine and it's a huge win-win from the the tax CPA if you actually know how to price right and give quality service, focus on planning, be proactive, don't be a number in boxes type of person and it's a huge win from the customer because they're getting proactive tax planning like I just fired my tax CPA who does my personal stuff because they did a shitty job, missed a bunch of stuff, you know, I'm just a number. And um, and then the thing I really like about taxes personally, I feel like it cements that relationship and it's an easier barrier to entry. Um, you know, we're at four hundred dollars a month. We charge a monthly retainer for our taxes at Austin Executive Tax. We do four hundred dollars a month minimum. So we're priced a lot higher than a lot of our competitors. But four hundred dollars a month is a lot cheaper fare than five thousand or ten thousand dollars a month on CFO services. I feel like it. you get more of a try before you buy, establish a relationship. And 
that's one of the things I like about the tax side, but we, we were doing no taxes and wanted to steer away from that at, when we were at Profit Foundry together. And Penny, what are some yeah. of your, your first memories of, of working with, with Chawner and Brian? Um, they came to us to kind of, they were focused on process procedure. They were focused on getting all their ducks lined up. They knew the clients they were going to go after. They definitely said they didn't want to do tax. I, I was okay with that. Um, and then I worked with them for a year before they ever outsourced any work to us. Um, so they didn't start outsourcing. We started working together in 2015, um, mid 2015. And then, uh, first quarter 2016 is when they started outsourcing with my team. Um, they were always hands-on. They were always together and where they were going, but they were going they had this vision that they were going to be a zero focused accounting firm with high tech in Austin for startups, no tax. And very quickly it evolved to it. I don't know if it evolved or devolved, but it evolved to um, all of a sudden we were in zero. We were in QBO. We had non-tech clients. Uh, we had questions. Hey guys, do, how do we do payroll? Um, and then two years into it, it was, do you guys do taxes too? And so it evolved. These guys were constantly searching for what they wanted to do and adapting what they wanted to do with what they were liking and enjoying doing. That's the way I saw it. And, and, and Penny, when then, you when you screw stuff up enough, you gotta you gotta keep evolving and make sure you eventually get to the right well, thing. Yeah, but- Brian, you guys did that. You yep. did that. You did evolve. There are a lot of people that don't. They they don't even devolve. They just keep on hammering that same nail. And even though it's bent and it's not going in straight, they just keep on doing it. Um, so about, was it a little over a year ago now, um, they approached me and said, we're splitting up the company. Um, they both were going to go different ways. Now, I didn't really get involved in the reasons why. Um, that's why I kind of wanted to bring them in on this because this is going to be just as much of a surprise to me because they were questions. Little like, little gossip. Well, no, it wasn't. It wasn't that. It's just I was focused more on okay. You were asking me how are we going to separate out the work? How are we going to separate out the team? Because you guys had one team that was doing your outsourcing for us. Could we keep some of the same people but separate who they were working for and all of that? So I was focused on that part of the process while you guys were focused on what you were building. It became clear to us that you were going in two different directions with the type of client and the type of work that you were each focusing on. And then Brian, about six months into it, said, yeah, remember I told you I'd never do tax? I'm doing taxes. So at this point, I would like I would be interested in how did you come to the decision and what was it that each of you wanted to take away from your firm, your business, and then put into your no, new business? What, what is it that you guys decided you personally like doing, Brian, versus what Mike likes to do? And how did you separate that out? Sean, you want to start? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was, you know, I think Brian had a slightly there's probably a couple different things part of it would be 
I would say clients, marketing, and services, right? If you had to break it into three things. So like clients, I think I was a little bit more narrowly focused on, you know, kind of the tech world. And Brian's always been interested in in other stuff. Um, and he's very good at other stuff. I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm, I'm very good at tech. Brian's good at a lot of, he's good at tech too. He's, he's good, at, good at a lot of different things. So I'd say that I think the tax thing, I, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I always partner with people to do tax. I have some clients where Brian's team does the tax and I have, you know, other clients where other people do the tax, right? Um, I've just, it's just something where I think Brian was much more interested in it than, than I was. I think that was another one. And then the marketing, I'm like, Brian, you know, loves marketing, right? Like I, I do it, it's important, but, you know, I always think Brian's a little bit more like, oh, can we talk about marketing a little bit more? So I don't know, Brian might remember it differently, I'm sure. But um, if I had to break it into three buckets, it'd probably be that. Yeah, I, I think that's a good depiction. I, I, I will be more blunt with one of the answers. And, you know, Chawner, kudos for sticking with me, because as Damien said earlier, you know, I feel like a lot of the business owners have um, shiny object syndromes. I, you I don't know a worse human being than me on shiny object syndrome, where it's like, oh, if I just do this, we're going to start crushing it. And then it's like, oh, if we just do this, we're going to start crushing it. Oh, I read Expert Secrets from Russell Brunson. I'm going to be a coach now. You know? <laughs> um, so I, I, I have finally curtailed that a little bit and realized fundamentals matter a lot more. No, I, I feel like that that's part of the reason, like I, that's part of the reason I thought we were good together, right? Like, like, you know what I mean? Like that kind of yin yang, Laurel and Hardy, Baldy and Long Harry, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, Yeah, so I, I think I agree with what Chawner said. And then, you know, quite frankly, a big part with me, and I'm actually reading a book right now called Partnership Charter, um, is I had someone approach me about um, potentially kind of tapping into our business. And, you know, similar like the core values I mentioned earlier, right? You know, it's like, oh, I know Chawner, you know, seven, eight years, whatever it is. And, you know, I was very fortunate. I, um, after BDO, I got huge pay jumps and I was making like 200K in my early 30s. And Chawner and I each had really large, healthy clients outside of Profit Foundry that were our legacy clients. And then, you know, we were starting Profit Foundry and you know, you got, you got some sweat equity in those companies when you're starting it off. We weren't printing cash by any means. And quite frankly, my, my companies went away. I had one get bought out and the other one, I won't get into nitty gritty detail, but someone got accused of white collar crime and the, the top dog in the multiples of chains served some prison time. Nothing on our company, but it, it ruined the empire and we were part of the empire. So I had 15K a month and recurring revenue go away. Um, and, and we just had Profit Foundry. And, you know, it kind of led me a little bit to that. That was an oh shit moment for me, um, you know, where it's like, OK, we're we are nowhere there as a business to sustain both of us right now. I mean, not even close. So I, I think that was part of it, too, was just the uh, the lack of recurring revenue at that time when we were still young in the company. And how did how did you guys go about this? Uh, you call it a divorce, this separation. But at, at what point did you know that? Because a lot of practitioners, a lot of business owners, partners will just battle on and sort of stick their head in the sand and and just keep plowing ahead, uh, expecting things to change by not, but but not making really any fundamental change. What was the the moments for you that you realized, oh, this this isn't going to work, and 
and I, and I, I might be speaking out of turn, but but to, a, a decision to say actually the friendship's much more important than the business, and something's got to change. What were what were some of the the things that were happening that you were like shit? This is not this isn't healthy for, for either one of us, and, and certainly not healthy for the business. Yeah, and I'll kind of quite frankly, as I said earlier, and you know, Chandra might have a different perspective, and I don't know if we really had like a formal powwow about this either. So. Um, I'm kind of curious to see what Brian says. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll send you. We'll send you. We'll send you the therapy bill after this. You're, so. on, you're on pins and needles right now. I'm sure. Um, no, but I, I think it was. You, you know, from my perspective, part of it was that lack of recurring revenue. And um, you know, I, I had known Chawner a long time, and where we were at that time, just thinking about it, you know, I felt like a lot from my perspective. It's like, man, I, you know, I think I only, I don't know if I have one kid at the time or two. I have three now. Don't have more than three kids, I don't think. Um, but I had a couple kids, you know, I have to support the family. And I was just like, okay, how many clients have to get into this where I'm quote unquote even? And, you know, then that, that's, not, that's not fair from Chawner's perspective either. So, you know, I kind of came to the conclusion, you know, at least in my brain, where I was like, I could start seeing this contentious. We're very small right now. I think the friendship and long term relationship will pay dividends. And where we were at that time, it was easy to do a clean break. I think if it would have waited six or 12 months, it would not have been an easy clean break. So that's that's my recollection. Yeah, I, I would say we it got to the point where we were, we were essentially running parallel firms, right? And I was more of the mindset, like you said, Damien, like I was more like Brian brought it up to his credit. He brought it up and I was kind of like. Now, let's just stick it out, right? Like I, I, I was, and that's sort of what we talked about, like that good partnership. That's why we've, that's why we were good partners, full stop, right? Like I would have been, we, you know, I would have been more grinder out. And I think Brian was like, had the foresight to say, hey, this, this, this is, is going to be a problem at some point. You know, I think, you know, I think the legacy clients, I, I, I I've been fortunate enough to keep them where Brian had a couple things happen with those companies that, that, that didn't make it as, 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 as profitable for, for us. So, you know, I think he was smart in doing that, you know, but, you know, I think I was, and I, it wasn't like, we wasn't shocked and we were super cool about it. And I think we, it was the slowest taking off of a bandaid ever. And it was fine. Like, I think we, we had good communication. We were pretty much running in parallel. We just, you know, Every everything was solved in a spreadsheet for us. That that's what's nice about us. So, yeah, I mean, right? And, like and it's pretty much true, right? Like during that that period, be like, okay, this is your money, this is my money, and <laughs> it kind of worked. I mean, it, no, I mean, from, well, from, from a divorce yeah. standpoint, I think we earned an A, man. Like we did it right. Yeah. <laughs> the kids are the kids still love us. <laughs> the kids still love you. That's true. But you both went in different directions, and you both kind of change you you do things slightly differently than each other and you've both been relatively successful apart um so what is it that you think each of you focus on now that makes your individual firms profit foundry and upside cfo uh continue to be successful and grow john are you first i would say probably probably different things if I had to guess. Um, 
I would say after it, I focused very heavily on the, 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 the current customers, right? Focus on that, grew those, and then kind of referrals and, and sort of the traditional whatever. Um, you know, pro- probably, you know, a little, very hands-on approach, very much focusing on it, and then, you know, growing within there and getting really good, high-quality referrals, right? Like... I think that that that's pretty much what I've done. I think Penny's team has done an absolutely amazing job, right? Like if I think about, you know, oh, running a business is hard, blah blah blah, but like considering like we have this engine that that Penny runs that just yeah, I mean, you know, it, it just it just happens. Think and then like, you know, for for me to, you know, if I, if I were to ever to to mention something that that didn't go well, it's really a first world problem. It's like, oh, it was slightly less than perfect, you know, like this one month, one time, you know what I mean? It's, it's absolutely incredible to kind of have that, to sit on top of that engine. So, um, that, that's a huge help. So I think I, I kind of did probably a little bit more traditional approach, you know, just kind of focus on the install base and getting referrals and, and, and stuff like that. And Brian, I think you might've done it a little bit differently. And unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, that's where we end part one. So uh, we will get Brian and Mike back uh, to record part two and finish off this conversation. I hope you enjoyed uh, part one. Uh, I certainly did. And and, uh, two great guys. uh, And I'm I'm incredibly grateful uh, for them willing willing to share their story uh, in its entirety, warts and all. So um, part two to come. Uh, So keep an eye out for that one. But in the meantime, head over to the website, satvc.co. Uh, catch up with the latest episodes, download any uh, any articles or, or books that we've referenced. Um, also do us a favor, uh, send any questions to us via LinkedIn, connect with us via LinkedIn, uh, and feel free to, uh, to leave a review, um, leave a recommendation on your favorite podcast platform. So we'll see you next time.